Welcome to the Money Insights Podcast, where high income earners come to learn wealth building strategies that will take them from high income to high net worth. With your hosts, financial and wealth building experts, Christian Allen and Rod Zabriskie. Welcome into today's episode of the Money Insights Podcast, where we talk all things money and business. My name is Christian Allen. I'm here with my co-host. You know him as Rodney the Pod Zabriskie. Rod, what's up, man? Hey, I'm doing great. Okay, I'm excited, Rod, because we have got a third co-host. Yes, sir. Who anyone who's been listening to the podcast will at least recognize our good friend, Tim Whelan. Tim, what's up, man? You know, it's going well. How are you guys today? Excellent. I like that you're standing. You're standing, aren't you? You know, sitting's the new smoking. You got to stand, (laughs) got to keep the blood pumping. I love it. Sitting is the new smoking. All right. Well, um, I'm feeling not so good about what I'm myself sitting <laughs> yeah, right now, but I here feel we like go. I'm going to live a, a shorter life now. Yeah. Okay. Well, Rod, we have to consider that. Now, it's interesting. I actually had heard this was years ago, um, and I'm sure it's the case, but like higher energy, like you, you can put more energy forth when you're standing. And so I remember back when I was on the call, call center floor, like 25 years ago, you know, dialing outbound calls for Discover Card. And they were like, they were encouraging you to stand up, get the, get that blood pumping so you can go. Anyway, Tim, I like the, uh, I like the standing dynamic. Hopefully it'll bring the energy. Okay. So Tim today. Good news is that you and I both have standing desks. We do. So let's, are you saying we should just, I I don't know. I don't want to risk, you know, you know, messing things up right now, but mid podcast is probably a bad time to raise the desk anyway. Um, so next time. Okay. Today we're going to talk about six, the, the importance of business exit planning. I think more than that, we want to talk about the importance of optimizing the value of your business so that it's ready for the most impactful, valuable sell. If, and when the time comes, when you actually decide to sell it. That's yeah, the plan. I'm Does... going to try to convince you not to sell your business, actually. Oh, boy. Whoa, whoa. Not, okay, not what well, any of the exit planning advisors out there tell you. They, they always want you to, to go to that exit. They want you to sell it. They're like, sell this, and then uh, I'll manage all the money from there. Right? <laughs> right, right. Okay, but Tim, Tim's going to take the high road, and he's going to tell us <laughs> the, I was going to say the dirty truth, but Tim's going to tell <laughs> us how this thing actually Work. Okay, but here's a little bit of background. So Tim's actually has a cool designation. It's the SEPA designation. Tell me what the acronym stands for. Certified Exit Planning Advisor. Okay, cert- so we have with us in our midst a Certified Exit Planning Advisor. Luckily, we also have um, Rod and I that have 20 years plus of experience in this space. And so hopefully the three of us together can come up with some valuable information. Okay. But, the, but again, we want to talk about why we think this is a critical, a critical thing to be thinking about. So Tim, I want to turn it over to you for a second to just give us some context on two things. One, maybe what is like business exit succession planning? There's like all these words that kind of mean the same thing. Um, so maybe just to lick, what is it? Well, actually let's start there. What is it? What does it mean? Exit planning in the traditional sense would be as owners decide, hey, it's time for me to, to step away. Uh, I need to put together a plan, whether it's, you know, it's, it usually involves your CPA, your attorney, maybe a state planning attorney and business attorney. Um, you've got your, your business coach. You've got maybe a family, uh, family coach. You've all, all sorts of players, obviously a financial advisor, uh, your insurance team to make sure that you're 
going to optimize the process from a valuation standpoint? Can you get the, the highest value or maybe not always the highest value, but the best fit in a, in an exit? Um, and then how do you, how do you maximize your, your, uh, profitability off of that sale by, um, optimizing taxes and things like that? Yeah. Okay. So, so it's one of those things that kind of just makes sense, but maybe let's talk a little bit about why it's important to start thinking about that early. And let's just say, okay, so if we, in theory, let's just say I'm a business owner, I'm a physician that started their practice and I'm maybe seven or eight years into it. I'm probably going to go for another 20 years. Why do I need to be thinking about this whole business exit strategy planning stuff? Isn't it something that I can push till I'm maybe, you know, a couple years away from it? What do you think on that? I think the first paradigm shift that we got to make is that good exit planning is simply just good business planning. So you, you need to start now thinking about how you make your business, the kind of business that would be a great business to buy, meaning you as the owner have more time, freedom, and uh, yeah, yeah, time and freedom. Um, so, and obviously a profitable business. So if you're planning for a business that's like that, um, you're actually setting yourself up to be the kind of owner that could sit in that owner seat much longer than, than maybe someone else could that was relying on their own energy and efforts to push every little bit of the business forward. Mm, 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 mm. Okay. And I was going to say, talk a little bit about why it's so important to do, but we probably, we probably have hit on that, right? Like at the end of the day, the, the reason is, is for value and fit. Uh, maybe there's some other things that come to mind, but well, those are the yeah, two. That... So, so why is it important? I mean, first of all, if you, if you get too late in the game and uh, you decide to start planning uh, when there's something really urgent, on the horizon, whether it's you know, a health issue. And we talk about the five D's that can be kind of surprise exit instigators. You've got you know, divorce, um, disagreement among the partners, disability, um, death, unfortunately, um, can, can come in and, and distress. You know, any sort of factor that comes in outside or inside the business that you know, unforeseen, whether it's natural disaster or an economic situation, um, macroeconomic situation going on. So you, you want to make sure that you're in position to do that. Because if you start planning for your exit, when one of those triggers happens, you're really, you're too late. You've wiped off most of the options that you have. Your value is going to be greatly diminished in terms of what you can get from the sale because you're selling a distressed asset. So having all these things lined up on the front end um, and building in such a way that you're in a place to be able to sell whenever that time comes is great for the person that's five years in and has 25 years in front of them. Because if, if you make your business saleable, transferable, it's going to be better for you as the owner. Okay, so maybe I like I can, the five D's. Oh, go ahead, Rod. Yeah, maybe I can um, just add some context from just from talking to people out there, business owners. And there are some, I'm going to put them in three camps, basically. There are some who say, I know I need to do this. I'm just not, I'm just not right. I'm procrastinating it or, or it's just going to be too painful or, or I'm too busy or whatever. So they're, they're just, hey, Rod, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you. Okay. Can All you, right. when you get, you're going to do these three categories, I don't want you to forget them. But then I want you to put a percentage on how many, what percentage okay. fits into each category. Okay, great. Okay. 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 So that's the first camp. The second camp mm -hmm. is those who aren't ever planning on selling. So why do any planning around it? 
right? Mm, it's just okay, going to stay yeah. in the family or it's just going to whatever, right? I, I'm going to do it to the day I die. And then I don't care what happens after that kind of that camp who just doesn't think that that's ever going to happen. And then the third camp is one that just assumes it's going to happen and doesn't realize they need to do any planning around it. Right. A, a good example of this comes to mind. We, we uh, met with a gentleman who uh, was a dentist, very successful dentist in a rural area uh, in, I, I can't remember which state, maybe Kentucky or something. And he just assumed he was going to be able to sell his business. And then uh, when we first talked with him, he was getting ready to sell. When we talked to him again, two years later, he he hadn't sold. And it just, he was basically just kind of coming to the realization that it, it probably just never would, just mm. that it, it wasn't going to happen. So those are kind of three camps. Okay. So now percentages. Percentages. Yeah. Um, I guess I should have a fourth camp of people who just aren't even thinking about it. They're just like, Hey, I'm just trying to make my business not even successful. on the radar. They just want to, I don't going. even know what you're okay. talking about with, with, okay. you know, what's yeah, that's probably fair. End. Because let's start there. That one's probably at least a third. Okay. A lot of people are just busy building. They're, they're trying to build. They can't even think about well, like, they're like exit. I got to figure out how to like stay yep. in my business. Exactly. Yep. yep. Before that's I'm forced common, to exit. Yep. That's the most common answer that I come across. Yep. Okay. okay and then those cool. who, who have some sort of realization, but they're just choosing not to, it's probably a minority, maybe 10 to 15%, I would say. Um, yeah. And then those who, who, who are just saying, I'm just going to keep it. It's never going to, never going to happen. It's going to be in the family, you know, whatever maybe like 15 to 20%. And then those who just assume part of my retirement is to, that I'm going to be able to sell my business, but it's just going to happen when I get there. I don't know. I don't, I don't, they don't realize that maybe it's just out of ignorance, probably more than anything else that I need to be thinking about it now. And again, that's probably somewhere in the 15 to 20% range. Yeah. I, I have no idea how, what the percentage came out to Rod, but I can't tell you how many times over the years I've had people come really excited about selling their business, but it's like sold, right? Like they're like, Hey guys, I'm getting a few million dollars yeah, and I need to make sure that I don't pay any capital gains tax <laughs> or whatever yeah. it is. Right. Yeah. Like what, what can I do now that I've got this money in my bank account? Well, to Tim's point, it's just too late. It's too late at that point to do stuff. So work just starting with the idea in mind, right? Start with the end in mind, mm. uh, making sure that I'm preparing for that time. It just makes sense, right? It makes logical sense. Okay. Um, where do we want to go next? We talked a little bit about- make, I think it might make sense to dig into just a few specific examples because people might be able to put themselves somewhere here. Mm. Um, obviously, Perfect. you know, some of these businesses are going to be bigger than than listeners' businesses. Some of them might be, might be smaller. You just, you know, add the zero where you need to or take it away. But um, I thought an interesting- story was uh you guys ever heard of rose blumpkin rose so blumpkin she is um i like her last name i like both she is warren buffett's name, favorite founder favorite operator for one of those oh, companies. okay okay and she okay. has the unique designation of uh having had to be bought out by warren buffett twice so she's this really interesting character we don't have a, enough time to get into all of her story but she's i think a russian immigrant comes over doesn't know the language at all starts selling furniture basically wholesale inside people's homes builds this huge business nebraska furniture wow. mart um okay ends Very up cool. deciding to sell to warren buffett because he was going to allow her to kind of maintain control of the business. She's able to take some chips mm -hmm. off the table. She ends up starting to transition um, some, some uh, power within the company to her grandsons. Um, 
and, and Warren was kind of back in the grandsons and they started to change a few things. And she's this really stubborn 90 year old lady or something at the time. It really? I mean, I think she's in her nineties and falling out. She leaves the business and starts her own furniture store across the street, which becomes enough <laughs> of a nuisance to Nebraska, Nebraska furniture mart that she actually has to be bought out again. She ends oh, up reconciling with her, with her grandkids. But, um, I, you think about, the family dynamics, especially when you have mm -hmm. kind of a, a strong headed uh, founder, which a lot of us in, in the world of business, we, we tend to be like that. You get family dynamics involved. So the, the people that say, hey, I'm just gonna sell to my kids. A, does your, does your kid really want that? Is, is that what they want? Is it, is it best for them? Um, are they equipped to do it? Um, and so, I mean, th questions like that, um, are often really hard to really emotional. There's a lot of stuff tied in there. So, I mean, if you've got, if you've got the plan to transfer it to kids, that's great, but there are a lot of things you got to walk through. Um, another, another thing that comes to my mind is uh, Paul Orphelia. He was the founder of Kinko's, mm. grew that company um, to be a, a really large company, sold it for hundreds of millions of dollars to uh, private equity, I believe. And they turned around and flipped it to FedEx, the I FedEx. think. Mm. But Paul does not set foot in a Kinko store anymore. He is just completely soured to the whole idea. When private equity bought him, <laughs> they, they stripped out some of the things that made Kinko's really special in his mind and, you know, sh shifted a lot of the culture. He had employees then coming up to him, kind of voicing their concerns because he always said, hey, talk to me about your concerns. And But he's powerless to do anything at this point. So he's just kind of this lame duck walking at the company for, for a couple of years before you know, leaving. And so this whole idea of who's the right seller for the business comes into it. So, you know, that was the, that was probably the top dollar that he could get, but what are they going to do with your employees? Uh, mm. What's going to happen to the legacy of the company afterwards? Is that important to you? Now, sometimes for your family, for your lifestyle, sometimes the top dollar is the best offer, but I think really thinking through you know, who, who do I want this business to go to? What's that, what's that going to do to my customers? What's that going to do to my, my employees that have been there? Um, another, I guess, uh, not so, not so great story. Um, I guess, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, a, it's somebody in our exit planning environment. They, they talked about somebody who actually sold at the perfect time. They, they timed the market perfectly um, while valuations were still high before, before mm -hmm. 2022 came in. So private equity valuations were super high. Strategic buyer valuations were super high. Um, guy sells um, pretty much at the peak. Um, and when interviewed by one of his advisors uh, a couple months um, after the, the sale, you know, he said, you know, it was nice when that check hit my bank account, but I regret every day selling this company. Hmm. I've got more in the tank and I'm, I don't know what to do with my life. Well, I was going to ask you, so, Tim, like, what are the benefits beyond just money? And you're getting at it. Anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off. Keep going. It, it's exactly right. Because I mean, I think you guys could probably relate to this. I can certainly relate to this. Probably too much of our identities are tied up in the work that we do. And you know, what, what does it look like? Not me, if, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a you issue. That's not a me issue. We all know that you're you're better than us, Christian. Um, <laughs> no. It, so yeah, what what does it look like? You know what 
what are you going to do with your time? And some people have a really clear vision for what that's going to be a next chapter, you know, digging into, you know, a cause or something like that, or um, really intentional travel. But even, even the whole, like, Hey, I'm going to travel the world, you know, after the, after the third or fourth trip, you know, it, you're like, uh... the luster wears off as far as what, <laughs> what we hear from, from, Tim, is this coming from experience? Have you been, have you traveled the world three or four you know, times now? And you're just like, much. I'm done. Um, I'm done. <laughs> no, this is all grapevine at, at this point. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. I, I have not personally experienced it yet. No. Um, I do the think there's story... an, that's accurate though. Like not just try, it can be anything, anybody that works with purpose, enough purpose to create a business of significance yeah. is likely not just suddenly going to stop having the ambition, desire to like create, build. And so it doesn't just go away if you sell a business, right? So yeah. anyway, it, it a lot of it is that ongoing desire more than just what's the value of the business. That's why I was kind of hitting on this idea of like beyond thinking about money, because we can all, yeah. I shouldn't say that. It's, it's not easy to get money, but a lot of people have money, right? That still aren't happy. So therefore what? Well, in a business situation, I think the goal is to do it at the optimal time rather than uh, necessarily at the top dollar or in a situation where, like you said, one of the five Ds, right? If you can focus right. on the, the big O, I'm calling it the big O, the big O, that's the optimal time and avoid the five Ds. I don't remember what all the five, death, distress, divorce, disability, divorce, disagreement. Gosh, yep. Tim, I was gonna get all of those. Anyway, okay. sorry that I robbed you. Of the okay, opportunity. sorry, I didn't. I didn't mean to um, take us off course. But no, hopefully... that's exactly exactly what I was getting at. Because um, yeah, you, you got to figure out what your next chapter is. If you aren't really confident in what that is, I think you should spend some time planning. Um, and then the last last story. This one's makes you feel a little gross about human nature, but. Um, it was actually a, a that's encouraging. Another, Excited to hear this, Tim. <laughs> another owner that um, was in the network of planners that that I work with, and the guy intentionally did no planning, like very intentionally, because he is this high ego guy, and he wanted his family to see that everything was reliant on on him. And when he was gone, <laughs> everything would fall apart. And that's what that's happened. That's me. It was, that's a, it was me. an absolute mess. <laughs> um, and so, you know, don't be, don't be that guy, obviously. Yeah. Don't be uh, that but, guy. I mean, the irony of all that, you were kind of getting this a little bit Christian, but the, the irony of the explaining conversation is I would encourage you to, you know, really, you know, think twice about selling. I would spend more time focusing on how do I, how do I make my company as transferable as possible? Uh, think about this, the 30 day test. So if you were to leave your business, and go off the grid for a month and come back, would your business have gotten everything done? Would it have run as if you were there? Mine would um, run way better, <laughs> way better. They'd be like, finally, this jokester is out of my way. Rod would be like, holy that's why, smokes. <laughs> that's why you're getting so passionate about AI. You're like, if I can get let AI, <laughs> I can get AI do it, then, yeah, and it'll do it much better. It has way more knowledge. Yeah, there's something to that. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to take us off track again, Tim, but you're right. We don't want to be, we don't want to be the guys that are doing it the wrong way. Right. Well, that I makes mean, sense to, to me. 
to your point, leveraging AI, leveraging, you know, getting, getting good leadership in place at the company. Um, I mean, all those things you joke, but creates a, a valuable company. You don't want okay. the company to be reliant on you. That is the, the biggest, the biggest issue in exit planning, um, across the industry that I see and hear, um, it's businesses are way too owner centric. And okay. it's a huge thing, especially in, in a lot of the people that are listening to us in the medical profession, because how do they drive so much of their, of their revenue by showing up every day and seeing patients and making that happen. So if you're not thinking about two or three steps down the road of, of, cause again, in that scenario, if, if you disappear for 30 days, then there's no revenue for 30 days. If right. you're the only revenue source. So how can you think differently about your business in a way so that you can transition out of it and it still has has value? That that may be, again, the example I gave a little bit ago with this dentist, that may have been one of the issues is if he's just there showing up every day and then all of a sudden one day he says, hey, I want to sell this, but I'm not going to sh- continue showing up. Well, then who does want to buy it? Right. Well, and not that I'm trying to scare everybody today, but- you know, if you're scared by this, then maybe you probably should be. You know, the The first attempt at building succession within the organization usually fails. So, I mean, there's all sorts of dynamics, right? Does Does a person that I'm bringing in, do they want to own the business? Do they want to mm-hmm. own this business? Um, is the timetable too short, too long for them? Um, so, you know, even even starting down that road, you know, had had that front of yours, you know, done a lot of aggressive recruiting, maybe five or 10 years before he was yeah. ready, then he either would have found, okay, here's somebody that I can, I can try. And then if that doesn't work, you know, let's try to, to get somebody else in. Um, and then, you know, if not, if he wasn't finding anyone, then that, that gives him a sense for, okay, what, you know, what am I dealing with? And that will help him to plan from the personal financial side. How much, how much do I need to be extracting from the business in order to be where I need to be from a, a monetary perspective. Yep. So it's all, all sorts of these questions. They aren't fun to think about, but the great news is I've done a lot of bad news. The great news is if you think about these and you do good planning, planning for eventual exit, like I said, it actually makes the business one that you can hold longer and enjoy more. And more valuable. Or sell for more. Like, here's the deal. If you can put yourself through the 30 day rule. If your business can go through that, then obviously it just by being able to do that makes it tremendously more valuable, right? Um, Kind of everybody knows that the more automated, the more passive it is, the more valuable it is. So that makes complete sense. Okay. Here's the thing before we get on to, well, before we move topics, I want to talk about like the pitfalls of not doing it. So we're going to stay a little bit negative for a little bit longer this is where you like to live, Tim. No, I'm just kidding. Um, just today, just today. But let's talk a little bit about what are some of the common pitfalls that people make. I want to do that. And then I want to talk about what at least an idea of what it actually looks like to plan to craft a, an exit strategy. Okay. So let's talk about pitfalls first. And I have a handful that I can throw out there, but do you guys want to go first? You want me to roll with it? Um. Yeah, go ahead and roll. I, I've got a few things okay. I can add. But... I've got a bunch of them. Procrastination, huge pitfall, right? We've talked about that. Rod was kind of going through the the different people or the different segments, and the procrastinators um, always end up with the short end of the stick. It just is the way it is. 
most of the time. And they'll feel the worst about it too. Because <laughs> they're like, ah, I knew uh, I should have done something I, I just done, never I, did. Yeah, it's it's bad. I'm a procrastinator. I hate being one of those. Gosh. Uh, you okay. said who, not how. Uh, uh-uh. who, who does who, not how? Oh, I who not know. how? Um, All right, I'm gonna coach. check it out. Anyway, whoever the strategic coach is. Anyway, but who not how? He actually thinks that procrastination is is like kind of like a superpower, and it's oh, because I have it heard tells that. you, it tells you, this is something I should not be spending a lot of time personally figuring out. And so the answer is, how do you solve mm. procrastination? It's not how do I accomplish this thing. It's who do I get to help me accomplish this thing. Uh, I like it. Tim's and not only where, an exit planner, he's an efficiency expert. Well, yep. I think it, it just, it speaks into the, the process, right? I you love wanna, it. You wanna have a team that's working around you. You wanna make sure that your estate planning attorney is not just an estate planning attorney. They're an estate planning attorney that's walked through the process of transition and succession with businesses, and they know how to structure estate plan to avoid the common pitfalls that come from, you know, a, estate tax and you know all sorts oh, of these, you nailed you know, one of the pitfalls D's, right okay i, I want to get to the other i've got a bunch of I pitfalls and i think Sorry. they're yeah. <laughs> i think they're really valuable so here's the thing i'm going to go through them you guys can tell me which ones we want to actually touch on more or if we're good to just leave it at overestimating the business value that's a big one right mm-hmm. i'm sure we 100%. see that and anytime that we're personally invested it's hard not to like we have this hope that our business, that this thing that we've created is more valuable. So that's one, um, neglecting training and development, especially for like the people inside the business, right? You can't transfer the business. You can't pass the 30 day rule if you don't have proper training and development, um, emotional decision, decision-making, failing to communicate, not seeking expert advice, um, inadequate documentation and ignoring contingencies. Those are, oh, one more, not reviewing and adjusting your plan. Yeah, those are awesome. I just think those are things to be thinking about. Okay. When you talk about documentation, I'm assuming you mean like, this is a super common thing that we see, you know, owners, they're focused on other things. They don't have an accounting background. They might not have a controller. And so you go into their records and if, if you're going to get a strategic buyer, private equity to come in, it's just going to be a nightmare. They're going to run you through the ringer because you don't have historic financials and you know things like absolutely that. all of that stuff and it does it's messy right it's like it's like if you go to do your taxes and you don't have any of your tax documents ready you've got you're you're scrambling around trying to find things so the business it becomes even more critical because there's obviously an additional layer of complexity above and beyond just your personal stuff and so having those things uh put together the right way and again like if you're someone like me that is not even capable of doing that. You've got to have a partner like Rod who can. And so one way or another, you got to have your stuff in it in order. Um, okay. I want to switch gears a little bit and I want to talk t- about what creating an exit strategy like might look like. So let's just say theoretically, um, somebody's like, Tim, I totally buy into what you're saying. Like, I know that the business needs to be uh, I need to have a strategic plan all the way through. Maybe they're five, 10 years in and it's successful. There's no, not necessarily any indication of um, selling and, at any specific time frame. but like what might, where might somebody start inside this? Because like you mentioned, there can be complexity, there's different advisors, but like what's the starting point for people as they know they want to get, they want to get a plan in place. 
Yeah, absolutely. So the, the first thing is almost always to do a detailed comprehensive valuation of the business. That's the starting okay. point almost every time. And you want to look at the value of the, the company. You certainly want to get the, the value based on comparable sales, you know, different sales approaches, um, discounted cash flows, kind of have a sense how, how all these buzzwords in the selling world work. EBITDA. Um, you got to know your EBITDA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, de you definitely got to know that. Um, so you want to know that sort of, you know, where you fit in the multiples, but you, you want to know kind of the range of multiples that you might fall into. Uh, and then be able to assess where you are within that range. And okay, a lot of so that comes down to some of those, go ahead. How does somebody, what is it? So if someone's saying, okay, I get it. I need a business valuation. Are you talking like get an expert business valuation or are you just saying understand how business valuation works at least to some degree and do some you know, basic comparing to get an idea. What are you thinking? I think it's almost always worth having some level of professional valuation. There's different okay. levels of valuation. Yeah. There's certified valuations, professional valuations. Okay, but at least and you need to get an outside. You need evaluation with real comps. So it's not just okay. one of these, you know, off the shelf, you know, you pay 25 bucks to, to get evaluation. You want to have okay. real comparable sales within a certain range. Um, and then along with that, you should be, you're doing, doing some sort of a, an assessment of the intangible parts of the business. So that you hit on, I think all of these Christian, when you just went through your, your pitfalls, kind of pitfalls right? your yeah. human, your human capital. So do you have, you know, the right people in place? Do they have the right training? You've got your customer capital. Are you super concentrated in like one source of business? Um, that's something that you should be thinking about. Um, structural capital, if you have like, you know, heavy equipment or, you know, even, you know, in a medical practice, you're going to have, you know, equipment and things like that. So what, mm -hmm. what's the state of your structural capital? And then there's the social capital, which best understood is kind of your, your company culture. So, um, you know, is, is that something that is consistent? Is you know, the way that your company thinks about things and makes decisions, is that something that's kind of a machine and isn't reliant completely on you? So those will help you to determine if you're kind of at the lower end of your industry or closer to best in class. And that's really helpful to know um, because if you think about it, if you've got some number that you need to hit, um, now it's probably more complex than that, but let's say you've got, you know, some number that you need to hit to be completely financially independent, you know, live the lifestyle you want to live. You have a gap most likely. So you've got a, a gap between where you are, where you are now and where, where you need to be. So one of them is just the value gap. So my company is worth X and um, I need it to be worth, worth this, right? So there's the, there's the business value where it currently stands today. Um, but then there's also that range of values, right? You've got your best in class sort of uh, multiple and then you've got kind of the lower end multiple. So you've got two levers that you can tweak. You know, one of the levers you can tweak is your profitability. You can become more profitable on the current revenue, the current size that you have. And if you can do that, you're obviously gonna dial up that EBITDA and you're gonna get a higher valuation. But then alongside of that, if you can clean up some of those intangible sides of the business and move yourself closer to best in class, you're getting kind of a, a compound effect where not only are you getting a higher valuation from being more profitable, but you're also becoming a, a more valuable, more best in class kind of company. So you'd want to work on both of those, but the valuation is where you start. You start with evaluation and you see where you're at today. And so that gives you the gaps. It shows you where, where you can work. 
Um, and then you go through the process of de-risking the business. Let's say that you had one customer that makes up the bulk of your revenue. Um, what are the strategic plans that are being put into place to, to mitigate that? How are we going to diversify our customer base a little bit more? Things like that. So you're going to de-risk the business. Then you're going to go through some sort of evaluation acceleration process. How do we increase the value of this company? And then the next step would be your decision point. Do we sell or do we grow? And if you grow, then you, you go back through the process. You know, you'd get another valuation, assess your gaps, de-risk the business a little bit more, increase the value, and then make a decision again. Tim, I'd like to meet with you to talk about how to increase the value of my business. <laughs> Is there a time that we can schedule? Um, no, I'm just kidding. I think that there's huge value in like just being thoughtful about that, right? Like we talked about money, the monetary component, but there's all of the ancillary stuff that's hitting that's around that. Um, okay, so first step, we get our valuation, and then you you mentioned de-risking, and de that can look that can look a lot of different ways, right? Depending exactly. on what your business is, it might you know, 100 different things could be available to de-risk it. But you talked a little bit about levers, uh, Tim. I I've read enough like to be dangerous in these specific areas and maybe maybe rod i want i want to come to you in a second and talk about the role of insurance inside of strategic like exit yeah. and succession planning okay so talk a little bit about the levers because i do know enough to know that just by one being aware being thoughtful about the way that your business is structured and like you said, moving the levers, you can actually have a relatively significant impact on your business. And I, I can't think of an example because it's been, you know, a while since I've spent a lot of time like digging into this. But what what does that mean when you talk about kind of the levers that could be pulled to create additional value in your business? Yeah, I mean, I was I was referring to those those two different areas, right? There's the profitability which is, it kind of speaks to your documentation, which, you know, is, is your, are, are your financials clearly, are they, are they accurate? Are you running a yeah. lot of personal expenses through the business? Which Okay. You know, so that's what I wanted to get else? at. That's what I wanted to get at. So let's say that we have a business owner and how do we show, how do we adjust the profitability other than just becoming more profitable? I, I guess my point was to say that there are, things within just the structural side. And again, this isn't my expertise, but there's things within the structural side that you can tweak. Maybe, maybe the amount of compensation you're taking changes. Maybe like you said, instead of running things through the business, the, you start running those things through the personal side, it creates additional value in the business. But like, my point is to say that the numbers can be tweaked, almost manipulated in a way that will allow, that will create more value for the buyer and for yourself at the same time. Is that yes. fair? That's totally okay. Fair. Okay. Okay. That's Rod, where, let's move know, over. Working, yeah. Working with people that are helping you on the tax strategy side is really important. And it's all, it's kind of like that. Are you always shooting for top dollar on sale? Right? Because as you're approaching an exit, as it becomes a little bit more serious, you know, like you said, if you start taking some of the personal, you know, more personal expenses out of the business, that means you're going to pay a little bit more in tax. So do we want to do that? Right. For There's the benefit a, of, of cleaning the business up for most profitable sale. Probably yeah, it's a good benefit idea, analysis, yeah, right? Exactly. I like it. Okay. Rod, I want to talk about um, business succession as it relates to 
the kind of stuff that we typically help people do, right? Yeah. So when we talk about it, we're talking about um, putting like funding a buy sell agreement, right? Yep. We're talking about key man so that the next generation is there and available to um, keep the business running. But maybe just just give us a broad overview of what that looks like on mm-hmm. our side. Sure. So and it goes back to the to the five D's. Right. Five D's. And, yep. and two, two of them you, you just hit on right right now with a buy sell. The challenge is if, if, if I'm in a partnership and one of the partners dies, becomes disabled for some other reason, is no longer able to participate in the business, then we need a plan now before that starts to happen that is already in place, already understood, and fully funded. And fully funded means if if the focus is disability do all of the partners have enough disability and in income to make things okay so that they're not no longer a a, a drag on the business while they're no longer able to contribute That's or we're not moving into a distressed situation right yes to where they now instead of selling when it's most optimal we're looking at selling because i now i'm the I'm the spouse of an owner and I don't know how to run the business. Mm-hmm. I got to get rid of it. But by doing that, I'm also not going to get as much value because of that. So, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And then, and then again, the other, the other part of buy sell is most often death. So life having life insurance in place. And in this case, what's happening is the life insurance is going to the surviving partners. So they have the money to buy out the family, right? This, like you mentioned, the spouse who, doesn't want to be involved. The partners don't want the spouse necessarily as their new partner. Um, and so it, it's already, everything has been set in, in motion ahead of time so that they're obligated to buy out the spouse and they're given the funds through that life insurance policy. So they have the means okay. to do that. So Rod, it sounds like what you're saying is that I should make sure that I own some sort of insurance benefit so that if I have death or just dis- if death or disability comes, then there's a way to handle that. Right. Yep. Okay. Here's the thing that's interesting though. We also use life insurance as a method to fund um, business succession to fund mm-hmm. buy sell. Get into that for a second. Yeah. Okay. If I'm, if I'm the senior partner, right, I'm whatever, 60 years old and, and my partners are 50 and 45 and 40 it's clear I'm going to be the next guy to go, right? And most likely. So, how is the transition going to happen when I get there? Again, we have to be thinking about these things ahead of time. Everybody's on the same page. Everybody knows what's going to happen, and it could take a lot of different forms. Are the existing partners going to buy me out? Are we going to add, keep adding additional partners, and those new partners are going to buy me out? Am I just getting the enough distributions from the from the the company? So that I kind of create my own exit so that I have the, uh, what I need to, to be able to retire, even if it's not a quote unquote sell from the business. Right. So that's where like the capital avalanche could come into, into play, for example, building a plan where we're, um, predetermining an amount that goes into that plan over the next, whatever number of years. So that in the, at, at this future time, there's an income that's there ready to kick in. And there are a lot of different for, you know, names you might call this deferred compensation and all these different things, depending on the specific details of the plan. 
but as, as a broad stroke, that's really what we're trying to think ahead on. Well, and there's lots of ways to fund a business succession strategy. However, we often talk to people about doing it in conjunction with like your buy sell agreement because life insurance has the additional tax benefits and features that I can't get in other places that obviously it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? So if I have a business and I own um, life insurance, let's just say I, I own term insurance, well, that the helps the business significantly if I die. If I don't die, however, I've got to come up with some other way to keep the business going. And so that ends up being a way to kind of um, build a natural funding process into the flow of the business. Yeah. We often use the words uh, like the capital avalanche or investment optimizer. They come with like, it's insurance you don't have to pay for in any, any other way. Right. Yeah. Cause no and, one likes to pay for insurance. Let's be really clear yeah. about that. Yep. So if you can I accomplish don't. both, the most likely scenario is you will survive and you will retire and you will need that income. But if not, it has the built-in insurance piece of it as well. Well, and even if you're, you know, the partner that, that remains at the end, you know, you have partners that go out of business before you I think it's worth hitting on the estate planning implications, right? Especially, I mean, certainly it applies to a lot of people now, but if those, uh, yeah, if they go down, go which down, they probably will, then we're going to have a lot of people where let's say your business is, you know, a $15 million business. All of a sudden you're going to have a large estate tax bill that may be the only way to pay it if you don't plan properly is to sell the business, which might be the opposite of what the family wants to do, especially if it's a really profitable business that's running independently of the owner and they have a great CEO in place running the thing. Yeah, yeah you did everything example. else right, right? The, the, maybe the kids did come in and, and it, it's rolling, but now you need cash and you don't have it. Before right. we finish up, Tim, what do you see people doing to fund succession? Like, what are some of the ways that people actually fund this, you know, movement into the next gen? I mean, we've talked, we've hit on them and you like notes and life insurance. Like, what are you, what would you say is most typical to help people with the actual money that is required to create a succession strategy? Yeah, I mean, you, you talked about a couple of creative options, which I think are really cool to investigate. I mean, a, a lot of times it's going to be where, you know, the, the buyer obtains some level of financing to mm -hmm. buy out an owner. Obviously, if you're on the, the buyer side and the seller side, right, they've, they've got different incentives. Um, if you are a, a buyer, you might want a, a seller note where you don't have to go out and get financing. The seller kind of retains some of the risk and you pay them out over a period of time. There's some benefits to that, you know, for a seller on the tax sure. side, but a lot of times the seller just wants to get a, a big, uh, the big egg right, right at the sale um, and reduce their risk there. Um, you know, if, if you bring leverage into that, you can make that happen, even if the buyer doesn't have all the, all the money that they need to. There are some really creative situations where like private equity could come and take a position um, mm -hmm. in addition to financing or in lieu of financing um, to facilitate a, a transition. Um, yeah. Even if you have we've some seen owners in, retaining. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen since so many of our clients are in the physician medical dental space, we have talked to and seen a lot of people who are, you know, being approached by private equity companies to buy, you know, either a portion or all of their business. So we see that a lot, but, but I think, um, I think the key is 
you know, the reason we're having this conversation is because we want to emphasize the importance of starting early, first of all, right? Starting planning, preparing for the most advantageous exit um, or non-exit, but either way, by planning for it, you put yourself in the best situation. Um, Actually, so anyway, I get there. I mean, I think it, it fits here. Um, things like if you had somebody that you'd brought in a succession plan internally and you wanted them to get financing, you've got to think about whether or not they're going to qualify. And so there are mm -hmm. some things that you can do in the years leading up to, like, let's say you're going to go an SBA route for financing. Mm -hmm. There, there are certain things that you can do to make it much easier on yourself by, you know, maybe having the plan to transfer a certain amount of equity before that sale. So that the buyer has some mm -hmm. skin in the game. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's, there's things like that, that again, you don't want to be planning <laughs> had a buddy that was, you know, buying a, a business in a similar situation. It just was this nightmare back and forth and expectations were all over the board. The sellers were disappointed. They weren't going to get, you know, a higher valuation. You know, my buddy's trying to, <laughs> trying to figure out a way to do it in a fair way, but um, you know, there wasn't any planning. And so it's the messy anyway, sellers in it. a bind. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, um, anyone have any other, any other points they want to hit on before we close things up for today? Okay. This, this has been a fun conversation, Tim. Thanks for hanging out with us, co-hosting the pod. Um, Tim's a part of our team. So if anybody out there listening is interested in exploring the business succession strategies, or like just business succession planning as a whole, making sure that their business is in the best possible situation. Um, shoot us an email. We'll make sure that we uh, connect you with Timothy. And Tim, it's been awesome having you, man. Thanks again. I think I had the most fun. This was great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Money Insights Podcast. To learn more about the financial and business strategies discussed in this show, please visit moneyinsights.net. The views and opinions expressed on the Money Insights podcast are not intended to be individual financial, tax, or legal advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making financial decisions. And if you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This will help others find the show and learn wealth-building strategies for themselves. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.